are you doing with spotting Satan's counterfeits? Are your eyes becoming open to how he is trying to replace our faith and dependence on God with man, who he is manipulating? It has just become so apparent to me how very clever and cunning Satan is. He knows how to make evil look good and how to make good look evil. He has deceptions and ploys for every kind of personality. He watches and observes what we are desiring, whether it is a good desire or a bad one, and then seeks to deceive us with a counterfeit. He has had centuries to perfect his art and enough minions to go around for each of us to have several minions working alone just on us, busily giving us tailor-made temptations to thwart all our efforts to do good. Have you ever made a goal to improve an area of your life? Or perhaps you put on the calendar a trip to go to the temple, just to have one thing after another go wrong and lots of discouraging voices trying to get you to give up on your plan. If you have, you know what I'm talking about. Satan is good. He knows what convincing, justifying thoughts to put into our minds. He is our Goliath that is openly defying our efforts to become like Christ and serve his children. Thankfully, we're not alone. I love Elisha's comforting words to his servant when he saw they were encompassed about with enemies. Quote, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Close quote. That's Kings 6.16. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes to see the horses and chariots of fire that surrounded Elisha. But because the Lord wants us to walk by faith, he rarely shows us the angels that surround us. But they are there, and they're simply waiting for us to pray and ask for help. Faith can be a challenging principle to understand. Hebrews 11 refers to faith as being a power by which miracles are done and people obey. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, Abraham was willing to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And later, it was by faith that he parted the Red Sea. And he tells other stories too. A simple way to explain faith is that faith is the confidence in the Lord by which we act. Because of this confidence we feel in the Lord and in his power, we know we must act upon the promptings we receive from the Spirit. We feel driven to do so. Faith is taking what we believe and then acting. And that acting brings power. It is considered faith because we cannot see that someone or something we are having faith in. But it is true, so we obey. Our faith is founded in Heavenly Father and in His Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Ghost. They are real. They love us and have a plan for us. They want what is best for us. It is through our faith that our sins are forgiven. Because of our faith and confidence in the Savior's ability to forgive our sins when we repent. Abraham, Moses, and all the prophets were and are obedient to the Lord's call because they know the Lord speaks the truth and that he is all-knowing and powerful. He loves us perfectly and he wants what is best for us. Therefore, they know they can trust in the Lord. So with confidence or faith, they obey his word. That is our goal too, to have such a conviction and ability to hear the Lord's voice 
that we will be able to hear those calls and promptings to fulfill missions, serving and being personally led where the Lord would have us be and doing what he would have us doing, responding in faith. We have been continually building our faith in the Lord with each piece of armor we have been putting on. Faith was like a sprouting seed when we girded our loins with truth. We learned about the Lord, His laws, commandments, and covenants, and we discovered He had the truth. He embodies truth. So with faith, we chose Him for our captain. This is the core of where our faith in Heavenly Father begins, as it is where we begin to gain a relationship with Him. Our loins represent virtue and fidelity. We are symbolically espousing ourselves to Him, becoming one with Him, putting Him first in our life, and aligning our will to His. We cannot have faith in someone we do not know, follow, or honor. As we anchor to Him, like in our repelling analogy, and test His truths or word, that rope, being obedient and relying on Him, we will see that He is the one we can have confidence in. Continually testing and relying on this rope or his truths will cause our faith to increase more and more. Malachi 3 verse 10 quotes the Lord inviting us to test one of his laws. He says, quote, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. The Lord will bless our obedience, and by those evidences, our faith will increase. Our faith became a little seedling as we put on the breastplate of righteousness and covenanted to obey his laws. The breastplate area was the home of our digestion, respiratory, circulatory, and detoxifying systems, symbolically representing our need to nourish our spirit, invite the Holy Ghost into our life, fill our heart with charity, aligning our heart's desire to that of loving God and His children, and cleansing away our sins through the Savior's atonement. Obedience to our covenants nourished our spirit as we did such actions as studying the scriptures, praying, worshiping on the Sabbath and in the temple, keeping the commandments, serving, and many other activities like this. We invited the Holy Ghost into our life, like oxygen, to couple with these nourishing activities to bring life and power into our life. The Holy Ghost taught, comforted, testified, and was the messenger to cleanse us with fire. We sought the Lord to fill our heart with his Christ-like love, charity, and because of our love for God, we willingly obeyed his commandments and promptings to serve his children. We performed them in the highest and holiest way because we are motivated by love, not out of a desire for reward or a fear of punishment. Lastly, we experienced the detoxifying, cleansing power of the Savior's atonement. Our faith was strengthened as we felt our sins being lifted away and peace brought to our soul. Our confidence or faith was increasing more and more as we read of the Lord's goodness to others 
and as we began experiencing His goodness in our own life. These four actions, symbolized by these four bodily systems, namely obedience to covenants, inviting the Holy Ghost to be our constant companion, gaining Christ-like love, charity, and purifying ourselves through the Savior's atonement, brings God's power, priesthood, into our life because of this righteousness. The reason why this righteousness is bringing God's power into our life is because we are becoming more and more like God. He is a being of perfect faith. Our faith increases the more and more we become like Him. Our faith became like a tree taking root when our feet were shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We were taking all we had learned, or gained a testimony of, and were now acting on it, becoming truly converted. This is faith, taking what we believe and putting it into action. We went from having a testimony or belief of the truthfulness of the gospel to that of conversion or knowing because we had experienced firsthand over and over the fruits or effects of living the gospel. Sharing our testimony also increases our faith as the Holy Ghost touches our heart, confirming the truthfulness of our words. We then also saw the great goodness of God again as we witnessed the change in those that we were sharing the gospel with. The Lord also invited us to fulfill missions. These were added opportunities to gain confidence or faith in Him as we acted upon His promptings and relied on Him for help to fulfill these missions. Over and over we are testing His laws and word and learning he is one that we can have confidence in. Our faith is increasing. The Lord has provided a way through all these faith-building experiences to have a shield of protection against Satan's fiery darts. He says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, quote, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. End quote. It is, above all, a valuable form of protection, one of the most important, but it can only be achieved by first girding our loins with truth, putting on our breastplate of righteousness, and shotting our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In our army analogy, picking up the shield of faith is the equivalent of arriving at the battlefield from our long march and doing the spiritual preparation needed before we fight our enemy. In the scriptures, we see great examples of this. When the captain of the army was a great spiritual leader, he would call on all his soldiers to go repent and call upon the Lord in mighty prayer for deliverance from their enemies. It is the Lord who will fight our battles for us if we will purify ourselves before him and plead for his help. That is why it is above all the most important piece of armor to put on. We have done all we can physically. Now we must do all we can to cleanse and prepare ourselves spiritually. With this spiritual preparation, we then listen for his directions and obey, putting all our faith, trust, and confidence in the Lord to do the rest. We would like to share some examples with you now of just how valuable the shield of faith is in blocking Satan's 
fiery darts. Thanks everyone for joining me as we try and figure out some of Satan's lies and, and the truth and faith we have that dispels that, that shield of faith that blocks those lies and deceptions. So I've asked everybody to come with a couple lies that maybe they found while reading a book or reading their scriptures or, or some that they've noticed other people believe, um, their peers around them, or maybe even some that Satan has poked into their own mind. Does anybody want to share one from their list? One from my list is, all is lost, you'll never measure up, you'll never make it, all is lost. <laughs> yeah. All is done. Yeah, there's no, no hope. hope. Yeah, reminds us of one of our favorite movies is Pilgrim's Progress. And this guy's in a cage and he says, there's no hope. So, there's the lies that there's no hope. What truth do you know that will dispel that? What faith you have in that truth? That the Savior is there and he can help you. Yeah. And through him you can... Through him, you can repent and try again. Yeah, he will make us more than we are on our own. We can try again through his atonement. Wonderful. What's another one from your list? I'm too little. Yeah, he's often trying to make us think that, you know, it's that worse than box. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm too little to do things. What truth do you know that you have faith in? You're a son of God or a daughter of God, and you can do many things. Yeah, a scripture comes to mind, I think it's Philippians, it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We're not too little. Heavenly Father loves to give us challenging, hard things, because he knows it'll help us to grow and improve. What's another one from your lists? That you'll never amount to anything. What do we have that can combat that? You can look at your past and see what there is, what you can learn and gain from, and see how much you've grown. Yeah, I think that's really good. There's so many times in the scriptures that the Lord tells us, remember, you know, the captivity of your fathers, or remember all the great goodness that the Lord has done for you and how he's helped you. So if you look to your past... And say, you know what, the Lord helped me when I had to do this hard thing, or when I had to do that, or he comforted me with this. If I turn to him again, he will make me strong, and I can do it. I'll share one that I wrote in my list. It was from the book Wild Swans. And it's about how Satan has this lie that we have to obey the authority over us at all times. And so... In this book, Chairman Mao and the Communist Party are that supreme authority. And if you question their orders, then they would humiliate you. And their humiliation was take you out in public and beat you. And, and I mean, it was pretty scary. And so what truths do we know that we have faith in that would dispel that fear that Satan likes to put into us to worry about what people will think because they'll humiliate us and think less of us or worry about what people will do to our body, that they will beat us and hurt us or, 
or even what truths do we have that will help us dispel the fact that we must obey them. They're our boss. They're our captain. They're our, you know, whatever organization you're in. They're, they're over you, so therefore you have to obey them. What truths do we have faith in that will dispel that? Having a deeper knowledge that you know that what God thinks is most important. And he's our real leader. Our allegiance is to him. He's our true captain. He trumps all the other authority over us, doesn't he? So it's that allegiance to God that say it doesn't really matter what other people think. It doesn't really matter what they will do to my body because I know I'm going to, after I die and go to heaven, that I'm going to stand before him. And he's going to want to know if I was faithful to him. And so I can't allow man to get in the way worrying about what they think and their their leadership because if it's going against my conscience then I've got to listen to that first and I love that in the book the main character her father starts to realize that chairman Mao he has gotten really corrupt he was probably corrupt to, from the get-go but the laws and orders he was creating they they made sense to him they seemed good and righteous but then as he became more and more corrupt, he began to realize, wow, this isn't right. And he says, I can't ignore my conscience anymore. And his wife is like, do you know what's going to happen to our children? Aren't you thinking of our children? In their society, they'd be called blacks. They would basically be shunned and cast out and treated horrible. And he says, you know what? I can't ignore my conscience. I've got to do this, stand up and speak out against what's going wrong. For the good of my children and all of China's children. So that hopefully we can have a better future. So he was a hero in my eyes. He didn't worry about what people would think about him or what they would do to him. He was going to follow his conscience. Which he didn't really know because they don't really worship God. Communism kicks out God. But he knew in his heart that was right. And so that was coming from God. And I loved that. So. What else do you guys have on your list? One time won't hurt it. It's really not a big deal. It won't matter that much. It's just fine for one time. Yeah, that's a good one. We see that one with, say, your friends are inviting you to partake of some alcohol at a party. And and you're feeling, you know, Satan comes in with all these, these worries like, oh, if I don't do it, everybody's going to make fun of me. Or you start worrying yeah, just how you're going to look in front of people. And so he comes in with this temptation that one time's not going to hurt. Or or you might even see that scenario when you're taking a test and your friend, he's begging you for help with this answer or to a problem. And and you're again, or, you know, you start to worry about what he's going to think of you if you don't help him out. And so Satan again will come in with, well, one time won't hurt. Just, just give him the answer. Just hurry up, just get it over with. Teacher's going to see you soon. You know, all these, these feelings of fear that come in. What truth do we know that we have faith in that's going to help us to make the right decision in that case? One time will hurt. One, yeah, it's not going to end with that. That's true. Once you give in to that, it gets easier to make that same mistake, doesn't it? I think when you look at the bigger picture and realize that this is just 
one moment in time that you're maybe going to be embarrassed. But later, if you do that thing that you knew was not right, then you're going to regret it later. And whereas if you were to do what you knew what was right, then you'll definitely be glad that you did instead of giving in because you might be embarrassed or worry about what somebody else thinks about you. Yeah. It just reminds me of a scenario that could happen. Like you want to keep a dog out of the flower bed, but then it sees like a mouse in there and it wants to go get it. You're holding it back and holding it back. But then you think, well, it's a mouse. I'll I'll just let it go once and he can go get the mouse. And you let the dog get into a flower bed and then that's not the end. You have to train him over and over again. And because the dog just keeps on wanting to get in the flower bed to lay there or it's cool. or mm-hmm. Yeah, our life is a sum total of the habits we make because those habits become our character. And so if we can be strong right from the get-go and try and make good choices, then it'll keep us from making, you know, bad habits, but instead making really good habits. What about this scenario that you have this prompting to fulfill a mission and then Satan comes in with his fiery dart saying, who are you to, you know, offer to teach this class or to to do this service or, you know, basically what makes you think that you're any good at this skill or talent or have enough knowledge that people want to listen to you? Who are you to think you can change the world or make a difference? What truth do we have faith in that will dispel that lie he's really trying to keep us from fulfilling our mission right so what could we use to combat that i have purpose yeah heavenly father needs me he's prompted me to serve so if he's asked me to serve he's gonna make up for what i lack and i know i'm not perfect at all these skills and talents or my knowledge isn't complete and everything but i know that if I do my best and rely on the Lord that he will help to magnify my efforts to be more than I am on my own. And he'll help me to increase in my gifts and talents and knowledge. But I've got to do my part to serve, even though I know I'm not perfect. I think it's interesting, too, because often there's an opposite. So Satan, the opposite of that is maybe you are fulfilling your mission and Satan will come in with, trying to puff you up with pride and be like, wow, you are so good at this. Like, how would we combat that when we have those feelings of like, wow, you're better than so-and-so at this. I don't even know why they volunteer. Like, if you did it, you would do such a better job than they would. How can we combat those feelings of trying to puff us up that we're better than other people? We are both children of God. And we're both trying the best we can. Yeah, one thing I thought of too is just the fact that, say it's Frankie, he's doing this mission and and Satan's puffing you up to think, well, you would have done such a better job than him. But it's like, no, don't think that. I mean, we're all on a journey. We're all progressing and becoming better. And it's awesome that he has the courage to step out there and offer to serve. I mean, basically, he's not worried about what other people think. He's just trying to serve Heavenly Father and his fellow man. And yeah, it's like, no, we need to we need to stop that really quick and say the Lord is what's helped me to magnify my efforts or to help me to be 
anything that I am. And we have a long way to go to being better. We should never think that we're better than other people. And we should definitely not take the credit because Heavenly Father is the one that's helping us to become who we are. And if we start taking our credit, the credit for it, instead of giving it to God and showing gratitude for his help, then he's going to leave us to ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I need his help. I, I don't want to be left to my own weak strength. I, I want his help so that I can continue to get better and, and be a better servant for him. Yeah, definitely. Satan, I'm not going to give in to your temptation to be prideful. Block. Block that with that shield of faith. So, what's another one from you guys' lists? Life's too hard. Mm. I think we've all felt that way. Why is life too hard? What truth do we know that we have faith in that can combat that? Life isn't too hard. No, it's not too hard. It was meant to be hard, right? It, we've been promised, the truth is that we've been promised that the Lord won't give us anything that we can't handle with his help, right? So a truth we know, Heavenly Father's there. He's willing to help us if we will turn to him. I like thinking about things as just one step at a time. Like if you went to go on a long hike, you wouldn't try and jump to the top all at once and like run all the way up there. And I think sometimes we try and do that in life and we just think of things like we have to do them all at once and it just really is overwhelming. One thing that I like to do when I have some task, I will just think of it as like one thing at a time and remember that like there's there's always some way to do it. Like the Savior is going to help me and I can make it there. I can do it. You know, just one step at a time and don't try and do it all at once, but just take the steps that you need to and be patient with yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's Satan that wants to try and discourage us and make us think we're not making any progress. But like if you, like Jared was saying, if you look back and you see how far you've come, you can be really grateful and, and thank Heavenly Father for the progress you've made and for the, the help he's given you right now. So... Yeah, those, those hard things help us to become stronger. You know, it's like lifting weights. Our story of Joseph in Egypt, if you remember when we were studying about that, Heavenly Father continued to give him, seem like harder and harder challenges, but they were all molding him to be who he was meant to be and to fulfill that great role that he had to do for all of Israel. What about, um, say you have this weakness... That you're struggling to overcome, and then you give it into it again. And then Satan, he might hit you with a fiery dart like, you're weak and pathetic. Like, you should be able to avoid that, you know, say maybe it's desserts or or saying bad language or thinking bad thoughts or, or maybe you have some spending habit or, you know, whatever the case may be. He really gets gets on you and, and says, it's not that hard. Like, you're just really pathetic. Um so he's like, maybe even tempts you to give up even trying to avoid that thing. He's, he's like, you're never going to conquer that habit. So what are some truths that we have faith in? Um, I know that's something that I've given into where I felt like I 
I wasn't doing all the things that I should be doing in a day and I was just thinking about all the things that like I could have been doing but I just wasn't able to or I got distracted and I kind of I think that's kind of like a shame that you start to feel where it's just like oh I'm so awful why couldn't I have done that why wasn't I strong enough why why did I have to get distracted like I I should have been able to do that and it was just like I felt so much shame and like felt so terrible about myself and and then I realized um what that was in that that wasn't helping me to be better, but that was Satan trying to discourage me. And it was kind of surprising to me to realize that that it wasn't helping me because I just thought, oh, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be, I'm, you know, I'm going to do it all in a day and, you know, but it was all not the right feeling to help me be better. No, I think that's really, really good because it's exactly right. We have this guilt that comes in that's this divine discontent like you need to do better you know you need to you know step up you can do this but then satan jumps in there and changes it from you did something wrong to you are something bad you know so then um once i realized that then the spirit prompted me to instead of thinking about all the things that i wanted to do that I didn't get done but to think about the things that I did get done and then just to make small improvements and not be so hard on myself and feeling shame but like accepting what I could do and I did do and striving to be better and it's more about like love than hating myself for what I didn't do. And, it, and it's just so, so hard. I realized that it's just so, so hard to improve when you hate yourself. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. We work so much better with love. You know, we will, like you were saying, when we have that little bit of guilt, you know, there's love involved. The Heavenly Father's wanting to help us. And I also think with trust, too. If you trust the people that you're working with, you go much farther. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say trust, too, and, and the fact that really what we need to do is have a trust in our Heavenly Father and, and the Savior, that He has done this atonement for us to be able to overcome weaknesses. And that, I mean, often we think of the atonement, well, yeah, it's there we repent, and then he wipes away that sin from our life's record, and he remembers it no more. But it's also there for while we're trying to overcome our weakness. So a truth that we may use to block that is the fact that, no, the Savior is there for me, and he will help me to overcome this. I'm not too far gone. I'm going to try again and again with the Savior's help till I conquer this weakness, and and I have faith in the Savior that, that he will help me. I think another kind of one along that line is, say, maybe we've even repented of our sin, we've overcome that weakness, but then Satan likes to continue to bring that up in our mind, and maybe some of the effects of our sin have caused loved ones to be hurt. 
or have affected them. And so we continue to see that effect on them. And one of the things we have to really use that shield of faith for is to know too that the Savior's atonement covers all those things that were unfairly done to other people. So because say I wasn't a perfect mom for my kids and they are suffering from some of those consequences, the Savior's atonement covers that and they will help my kids. And, you know, I can, I can do the best I can now and we need to, to focus on the here and now. Well, yes, I, you know, I made that mistake and I, I do remember it and it's there so that I remember not to do it anymore, but the Lord doesn't remember it anymore. And I'm going to do the best I can from here on out to try and be the best example and best mom I can be. And and know that the Savior is going to help those that, that I've hurt. And, you know, when I wasn't the best example for them. What do you guys do with some of, other, some of Satan's other attacks that, you know, when you're among your peers or something? Kind of that Punchinello when we were reading about the Your Special book. And he attacks your self-worth and he says, oh, you're so ugly. Or... You're not very smart or you're so clumsy. Like, what do you do? What truth do you have that is a shield of faith for you? I think a lot of that, that we have a savior and that he's willing to help us. That also that we're a child of God. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one that matters most. You know, we are a son and daughter of God. And I think that is one of the most core beliefs that we can put in our our core being that armor that we need to put on that we are loved by our heavenly father and and his opinions the only one that matters what do we do about some of satan's lies and deceptions as far as he wants to get us caught up in these worldly pursuits whether it's money or to gain possessions what truth do we have that we have faith in that will help dispel his temptations and deceptions that the things of this world are are of great importance there's a scripture that says how great your will be your joy in heaven if you bring one soul or two souls or yeah if you bring many souls unto me yeah if we start thinking about all the truths of what we know are truly important it'll be bringing other people to the gospel it will be those Things that you can take with you aren't going to be anything material. So if you spent your whole life giving into Satan's deception of collecting stuff, collecting money, then you're going to be pretty sad when you go to the other side and realize, oh, the things that were most important were my relations to other people, the knowledge that I have, the character that I've built up. Yeah, all those people that you've helped to save through temple work, through missionary work, all those different things. I thought it was interesting. What do you guys think about, so we recently had, because of the call for isolation, we had this run on toilet paper and everybody's running to the store to buy up, you know, whatever they can for while they're going to go into isolation. What was the lie that you think Satan was putting into people's hearts that caused them to feel this fear? There's not enough for everyone. Get a lucky can. <laughs> That's right. It's that scarcity. What truth do we have faith in that will help dispel those fears that Satan puts in us that there's not enough? 
Heavenly Father will provide for us. Yeah, think about that scripture. It says, you know, it's like, oh, I don't remember it very well. It's something about the birds of the field and how he clothes them and he provides food for them. And are you not better than, you know, them? Like Heavenly Father will provide for you. Watch over us. Yeah, he will watch over us. If we're doing his will and striving to be righteous, he'll help us. I thought of the story of the feeding of the 5,000 too. Wasn't that a tremendous demonstration of how the Lord can provide for us, that there's not a scarcity. He had five loaves, two fishes, and he can provide for us. Yeah, those are all awesome examples. Thanks for coming up with some that we could discuss. And I know there's a million more out there, but this is just something to get us thinking and, and observing. And yeah, the more we become grounded in the gospel and his truths, we increase in faith. And that will be a shield for us when Satan goes lying to us. We can say, no, you know, I'm a daughter of God. I'm a son of God. I'm of worth. Or, or no, Heavenly Father has a plan for me. No, there's a Savior there. He can help me. Any last thoughts? Any, anybody want to share anything else that's on their mind? I think sometimes when we feel Satan discouraging us, I think sometimes we need to remember that he may be discouraging us because that's something that's our mission that we we need to do and he's just trying to keep us from doing that. He's like a Goliath, isn't he? He's trying to defy us from doing our mission. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for joining me, you guys. Hopefully that was helpful to you in seeing how valuable the shield of faith is in our life. When I do this activity with youth, I wad up red balls of paper that act as the fiery darts that the youth can then fire at the one holding the shield of faith. They shoot a verbal lie and a papery fiery dart at the one with the shield, and the one with the shield has to block it physically and verbally with the faith that they have of God and his truths. It might be a fun activity for you to be able to do with your family. The shield of faith is above all one of the most important pieces of armor that we put on. It is the equivalent in our army analogy of repenting and pouring our whole heart out to God for help before we go out to face the enemy. Pouring out our whole heart to God is demonstrating faith in him, acknowledging that we have confidence or faith in his power and ability to deliver us. We are calling upon his mercy to extend that power in our behalf. When we have been righteous and quick to heed his promptings, he will be quick to respond to our cry for help. If we have been slow to respond, he will be slow to respond. We can trust in our Heavenly Father to know what will be for our best good. At times he may remove the battle from us, but more often than not, he will have us go through the struggle so that our faith will be strengthened as we see the power of his arm in our behalf. I don't have a counterfeit for the shield of faith for next week. Its counterfeit is simply all we've been talking about in regards to what Satan's counterfeits are, seeking to remove God and Christ from the picture. It is to not have faith in God, but to put your faith in man we gained our faith by girding our loins with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, 
and going about the Lord's work with our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Their counterfeits are the shield of faith's counterfeits, such as only having confidence in yourself or in the so-called experts of men, where we mistakenly have confidence in what the world says is right, what it says is true, what is of value, and what will bring happiness. It isn't faith if it isn't based on something or someone who is true. Next week, we are going to discuss the helmet of salvation, which is very closely tied to the shield of faith because it helps us discover what is true. Discerning that leads us to salvation. I hope you'll join us next week for this piece of armor, which has made a tremendous impact on my life. See you next week.